Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. We go through the book of Judges, and a book you might be familiar with, and, and of course I have not been comprehensive in, in studying all of the, uh, the topics that can be embraced, but of course we're looking at this as, as you might take a Bible class. If you took the book of Judges in a, a Bible college, really kind of just breaking it down that way for you, giving you kind of a, the overall theme and, and uh, the spiritual um, uh, you know, application that we get from that book. And what you find is that, man, the book of Judges is a very prophetic book, even though it's not... It's not listed as such because it's more of historic, you know, historic covering over almost 300 years of, of Israel's history. But, um, but man, it has this application that just rolls on and on and on, which is, of course, the power of the Word of God anyway in its various um, uh, uh, applications and, uh, uh, literal, uh, and literary forms. And so, anyway, I've been enjoying that. I hope you have been, too. Uh, so we're going, we're going to move on to uh, chapter 6, Judges chapter 6 this morning, and today we're talking about pushing through to victory, the calling of Gideon, the calling of Gideon. Of course, the story of Gideon is, is a lot of fun, and, um, and I've taught from that from so many different perspectives, and as a matter of fact, every time I read it, I get something new, something different from what God was doing in Israel through this man's life. So, you know, every one of us is on a journey, and so we when we talk about pushing on, we're on this journey in our life, and we're growing, and we're embracing the path of God. You know, Jesus is committed, really, to going forward in that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us, that is, to become more like Jesus. Did you know that that's what's going on inside you? That's what he's doing. He's making you more like him. And sometimes we lose the forest for the trees. We lose that perspective when we go through difficulties and struggles of various kinds, but that's what God is up to. The Holy Spirit, when you've given your life to Jesus, you have signed up for Holy Spirit Sanctification 101, whether you like it or not. And uh, the good thing about that course is you don't skip it. You never skip it. You know, if you, if you fail that course, you take it again. And it's always going to be on your, uh, on your list, and we just keep going on, and, and uh, Jesus wants us. Uh, to become like him, because he knows that's what he purchased on the cross for us to have, and that's God's heart. If for us to be restored to what, what was really our created purpose. What we're learning is that if our circumstances are going to change, what needs to happen? We have to change, right? We have to change. And that's really what it a lot of times comes down to. We're saying, Lord, please change my circumstances. God says, no, you need to change. Because you're the one who's creating these circumstances, and we need to deal with you. We need to deal with your heart. We need to deal with what's going on inside you. We must start with the elemental, the basic understanding of applied truth to get to the root of our struggles. Without a doubt, all, and I certainly mean all, of the struggles <clears throat> are by God's design to help us to move forward in our discipleship training. Because we have learned that adversity signals the hand of God and is the only way to toughen us up, to build us up, and to grow our character. We've been learning that. We've been learning that from week to week that more and more we see that character, you know, is not natural to us. You notice that? It doesn't come natural. 
We think it does, but really, it's a battle as we're growing and learning, going to the cross. It's rather unnatural in many ways. But to become mature and lacking nothing, as James chapter 1, verse 4 says, mature and lacking nothing, we must walk through these tests and these battles knowing that the victory belongs to God no matter how dark it gets. And we're learning that here in the book of Judges as the people of Israel go through this cycle over and over again when they seek the heart of God, when they connect with him, when they are following in his heart, they are blessed. When they begin to withdraw from him, when they forget him, when they become distracted by other things in life and they're drawn to those things, what, what you know, might be even good things, but they miss the great things, they, they, they follow a path, but it's not the path, then they begin to wander over, away from God. And a lot of times this takes many, many years to happen. So in that sense, again, it's not an immediate thing. It's, it's, it's what we're learning here is that as they pulled in and withdraw, withdrew from God, they, again, would unleash struggle in their life. So in Judges chapter 6, we see this pattern happening again. So let's get into the story. In Judges chapter 6, 1 through 18, as we just read this section, and then I'll go on to just um, uh, paraphrase, uh, kind of fill you in with the rest. But it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that's interesting. Let's make sure we understand this. They did evil in whose eyes? In the eyes of the Lord, not the government, not anybody else's opinion, but with what God thought. In other words, they withdrew from him specifically. And it says, And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Now, in Judges 6, this is interesting, and I have to interrupt myself, but to just point out that they've never gotten this far. They've never gotten this low to where they had gotten so oppressed that now they're have, they're, they've abandoned their homes, and now they're digging holes in the side of the mountain, and they're living in, in a very, you know, uh, almost a caveman way. And I mean, that's not what Jesus... I'm sorry, not Jesus, but, but the Father, Yahweh, had purchased for them, had, that they had gone through the desert to, to struggle in the hand, to, to have the, the land flowing of, with milk and honey. So they've come a long way, you know, from where, what God intended them to have. And it says here it's because of that oppression. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined their crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. So they killed their, their uh, livestock and, and, of course, I'm sure, killed their families if they didn't get out of the way. Uh, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Once again, we see that cycle. So they forget God, they do evil in the eyes of God, and then here comes oppression, and that oppression then brings them to this place where what? They cry out to God. 
And so we see this reoccurring pattern that really we can see in our own lives. When we forget God, things start to come into our life, oppressive kind of things, and then finally we've had enough with that, of, of that, that the struggle, the battle, the pain of staying the same is more than the change. More than the change. When that finally gets to that point where it's just like, it's too much, I've I got to make some changes. They cry out to God. Brings them to that place. And what we learn is that God is so merciful that he, of course, listens to his children. It says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he's having to secretly thresh this wheat so that he could have it for his own family. And he, had, he was operating in fear. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? That's an interesting question, isn't it? We'll get to that. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if I am now finding favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. So he goes away and prepares a sacrifice as he's having this encounter with God, probably the first encounter that he's ever had, an encounter that he personally has ever had in his whole life, because he probably grew up, most assuredly, grew up in the times when things were going well, but later in his life when Israel began to walk away from God. It's been a part of his, ex his own personal experience uh, as a young man. So the Israelites returned to the ways after their familiar 40 years of peace. So this has gone on several times before. And so that's kind of a, a familiar experience for all of us. You know, a lot of times when we go through a difficulty, have you not found it to be the case where you go, you know what, something about this feels familiar. I've been here before. I've done this. I've had these feelings. I've had this depression. I've had this struggle, this battle. I've experienced these, you know, these Midianites, quote unquote, these oppressors rising up in my life. And we look at it and it's just something, something sounds, feels familiar about this experience. And so we can't, you know, judge the Israelites. Yeah, we can't be angry at them because, 
You know, and that's what the prophet said. He said, look, I, I did all this for you. So can I just remind you, you need to go back to your first love. You need to go back. And that's something that we can mark right there, is to just remember that even though we are familiar with the struggles, it's time to also become familiar with the solutions. Because those are also true. We've, we've had those experiences. This time around, though, they unleash a more damaging horde of haters and thieves. They come quickly and ruthlessly. They're the Midianites. Now, what we learn about the Midianites is that they worship Baal Peor, the queen of heaven. Now, if you've done any study on the queen of heaven, you'll know that that was a major struggle for Israel over and over again. And some have even said, when it comes to spiritual warfare, that, that, that the queen of heaven is really a name that they use for a major uh, demonic spirit that comes against the church even to this day. Of course, it's satanic, comes from him. But if you look at all other religions, in many cases that you'll find that it is a deity, a female de deity that causes uh, the peoples of the earth to struggle. But she's also known as Ashtoreth, and we've done a little bit of study about her. And, uh, of course, this is a fertility goddess, and it's all about pleasure and, uh, and most of that surrounding sexual um, fertility and whatnot. So we find that often it comes back to where they struggle as a people is pleasure. They come back to comparing a pleasure and their, their desire for freedom in that way and what they would may have been considered maybe the restrictions of God. You know, God saying, no, don't do this. That's not healthy for you. But with the queen of heaven, it's like, no, everything's good. You know, enjoy it, you know. Surrender yourself to it. So that kind of sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? So Israel has had that long history of struggle and pain with these brothers because the Midianites are also the descendants of Abraham, which is interesting, isn't it? The son of one of the sons of Abraham that he had through uh, one of his other wives, concubine, I think. And so um, the Midianites are left there in the land. And so when the Israelites come back, of course, it's been hundreds and hundreds of years, and we're talking 150 cousin, you know, you know 150 removed, right, if you counted them. Uh, but the Midianites are there, and what we kind of get a feel for there is that sometimes the things in this world that seem most familiar, and, you know, you could sit down and talk with the Midianites, and the Midianites would just say, hey, look, our father was Abraham, Oh, well, he was our father too. Well, then, hey, man, we're, we're family. And it's a lot of times it is through the familiarity of the things in our life that can cause us to stumble. And so you know that's exactly what happened is they began to embrace the gods of the land because it had basically worn down their resistance to think that, you know what, it's, they're a family, but in the end... They're robbing them, and not only robbing them, but they come after that familiarity, they begin to steal from them, to ravage their land, it says. They're well-meaning friends who think your stuff is for their taking. The result is a poverty, because that's what happens here. A poverty of spirit, a poverty of soul, and of course, a physical poverty. 
And I see this, a lack of true riches. Because, you know, we can count riches in this life, but when we, when, when we walk away from God, what we will see is that maybe it doesn't affect the money thing. And, and, and that's interesting, because, you know, of course, I've watched that for many, many years. And even the, the psalmist and, and the writer of Proverbs have said, you know, man, I, I watch the, the, the ungodly, and they seem to continue to prosper. Matter of fact, even some of the wealthiest people of the earth may not be God-fearing people. And we we know that to be true. So to say, if you don't follow God, you'll be cursed and you'll have no money, because we don't really always see that, do we? But David, David later said, but like the flower of the field, it may shine brightly, it might jump up and, 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 and be a beautiful flower, but overnight it fades, it crumbles, and is blown by the wind, and its name is no longer honored or even remembered. And it's interesting when you, when you follow that. And so, you know, a lot of times that is the very thing that trips up Christians, is that seeking of riches, seeking of security outside the hand of God. When it comes to our finances, I really you know, encourage you here at Valley, if you've not been through the, uh, the financial teaching that, that we often host here, you really need, isn't that right, Kim? You really need to do it. Because you understand, once you, we, we, we fully understand that, that our money our money's not really ours, it's given to us by God to use for his glory. And so, if you're not making financial decisions and in, in, in talking to God about it, God, is this, is this what you want me to do, to, to surrender that all to God? Then really, you can be drawn in by the wrong spirits of the age. And in the end, experience maybe not financial poverty, but a lack of true riches. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people have a lot of money, but they can't really enjoy it, can they? You know, and I love that proverb that says that God gives wealth to the righteous, but he adds no trouble to it. Woo! That's interesting, isn't it? How many times people that I was just talking with somebody that said, man, they were making four figures, no, six-figure income. Yeah, six-figure income, and, uh, but they were always complaining, always struggling, always saying they didn't have enough. And you just say, well, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Uh, Fear, they experienced fear, and that is, you know, fear, when it gets a hold of us, you know, it, it, there's a control. Fear that takes the wheel of our life, and we no, no longer feel like we have any control of, of what's happening or coming around the corner. They were hiding out, withdrawn, the lack of relationships, the lack of closeness. What I find a lot of times when, when we pull away from God, one of the costs that we have, among the other things, of course, is, is just the shrinking of family, the shrinking of connection, the shrinking of people that you can really call true friendships, people who know you and love you and pray for you and stand with you. With the Israelites, they're all dug in holes. That's where pulling away from God had brought them. It brought them that to that place where they were really struggling. And all three of these are the result of not living a life dedicated to God. You know what the word Midian means? Strife. Strife. Isn't that something? And strife, again, is just the, the you know, as, as the Bible calls it, the concerns of this world. Jesus talked about that being like, you know, that we have all the seeds of truth in us, and they're planted in our hearts, and they have germinated, and they've grown up, 
and that's good. But that a lot of times also among those are planted lies and seeds of unbiblical truth. Well, you know, wouldn't call it unbiblical, but unbiblical uh, uh, beliefs. And those grow up as well. And they begin to choke off the fruitful vines in our life. And uh, so strife is that very thing. Strife, when we invite strife into our life, it does not allow us to enjoy the things that God has given us. Have you noticed that to be true? Because a lot of times, when we have to fight so hard, and man, I'll tell you what, that is something, man, you see it all over Facebook, you see it in books, you see it everywhere. Is it to say, you know what, you need to just stop and be grateful for the things that you have. What that tells me is that we're spending a lot of time out there not being grateful for what we have. And in other words, that maybe we're being attempted a lot more in these days, you know, to pursue other things, to have more than what God wants us to provide or, or to experience. But strife will do that. Strife will rob us of the joy and the peace and the contentment that could be ours. And that's Midian. That's what Midian represents to these Israelites. That's where they had come to. So God responds to the people's cry with a prophetic reminder of why they were there and where they are. In other words, to say, look, you were in Egypt and you were, really, you were in bondage without hope. But I brought you out and I trained you and taught you, taught you my ways, and I gave you a new land, a new place. All of this is prophetic. All of this is New Testament, you know, uh, concealed. Jesus found us in slavery, in bondage to sin. He pulls us out of that with the work of the cross. He teaches us his ways. He gives us the word of God. We learn, and he gives us a new land. That new land represents hope of the future. It represents heaven, of course, but living in this life to experience the fullness of joy. That's what this whole journey represents. And so he says, look, guys, let me remind you by this prophetic word, and, and it shakes them. It gets them to that place. It kind of shakes them to re, into a reality. Yes, yes, yes. The words of Jesus begin to come back to me. There in, in uh, Matthew 6, 33, uh, my life verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Think of that verse. I mean, it's complete. It's everything you need to know right there. You get that verse down and everything else, I mean, seek first, get your priorities straight, get your heart on God, and let everything in the aspect of our lives be focused on God. This is the promised land I've been given, and everything that I have is to be dedicated for his purpose. I will seek him first, and then all the other stuff, the strife stuff, my home, my cars, my kids, my stuff, my future, my past. The things that often are those things that get us entangled in our hearts and minds, you know, our relationships, who we should marry, who we should not marry, how much money we should have, how we should prepare for, how many kids we should have, and a whole nine yards. Seek first the kingdom of God. And what if I re, you know, just rephrase it, and then he's got the rest. He's got the rest. People of Israel lose sight of that, as we often do as well. So what does God do? God, as he always does, does in his loving mercy, 
aren't you glad that God has not forgotten us? That what all that Jesus did on the cross, and I just find that to be silly theologically when, when I think in terms of all that Jesus was committed to do, that he would just drop it, you know, and just say, oh yeah, well, I'm done with you. Uh-uh. If God was so patient and loving to these people who so easily, <laughs> over a period of time, forgot him and went off to do ungodly things, and God would just say, look, I'll, I'm going to rescue you again. I'm going to come, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come back. How much more so with the love of Jesus and the work of the cross? Big time. So what does he do? Well, God hears their cry and he comes. What does God do for us when we get ourselves in the bind and we've invited Midian and strife into our lives? Well, God comes. He reminds us. Maybe he's even reminding you today, prophetically, through this message today. Maybe God is knocking on the door of your life. Maybe you've been crying out and you're wondering, why am I experiencing these things? Why do I continue to go through these struggles? Why, why, why? And God says, I'll tell you why. I'm just going to remind you that if you walk away from me, I'm not the one coming down from the mountains and making your life miserable. It's the strife that is waiting at the door of every single human being when there's a vacuum. Because see, when God is pushed out of our lives or God is forgotten, it leaves a vacuum and the enemy of your soul is ready to just fill that vacuum. And he's just ready to go, oh, space? No vision, no life. <laughs> Comes right in. Ready. Just like those Midianites. They're constantly on the mountains looking at Israel saying, wait, their guards are down. What happened? To, there's, there's no soldiers in the towers. These people are out partying with Ashtaroth and they could sense that their, their defenses were down. And so what do they do? They invade. First at the edges. And that's what the enemy does. He works at the edges of our life. Can I get there? Oh, he gave it to me there. Oh, I'll take more. And that's the one thing that I guarantee you that happened in the political gatherings of the Israelites of the time to say, well, look, if we'll just give them a little bit of land, let's just give them the outer edges and they'll be happy with that. No. That's not where the enemy works. Matter of fact, his history has proven over and over and over again that when you gave the enemy a concession, he's coming for more. All right? They tried to do that with the Vikings back in, you know, 800 to uh, 1000 AD. And the Vikings just said, hey, look, we just want a little bit of, we just want a green pasture and some land. And they gave it to him. <laughs> Didn't stop there. It took more and more and more just as the enemy likes to do in our life. So what does God do? God responds by sending a man. He sends a man, or a calling of a man, rather, Gideon. And Gideon represents the need for men to rise up, but also for every Christian to rise up, man, woman, and child. So last week we had talked about the era of Deborah, and so I don't want to get into that. Remember, I was talking about how I really felt that story really set us up for Gideon because I think that's true. And I think, of course, there is that aspect of Gideon representing men in their homes, and as, as Kenny was talking about this morning. But more than that, for all of us, Gideon represents a call to each one of us to rise up. Because if you look at that story, what, is, what happens? Well, Gideon is found in a hole. <laughs> Gideon is found in this, this hidden place, hiding out doing whatever he can to take care of himself, to thresh just enough wheat that he can, you know, take care of himself. And boy, does that describe so many people. 
just doing whatever we can to just kind of shake out of life whatever we can survive upon, grind it together to make a little loaf of bread so that we can just kind of move on. And God just sends that angel to say, hello, greetings, mighty warrior. Now, you know, Jim LaFoon was just here, and he had a prophetic word, that, that he, and he used this story, so I don't want to talk about it from that perspective at all. But what I want to show you are several things that I really believe that is, that, that is taking place here. But Gideon, again, he's found in a hole. He's in retreat and subjugation in his heart. In other words, he's been running. He's walking in that fear. He's walking in that sense of, of, of bondage. And so, again, that angel comes. Now, this is our call. From this story, let me, let me just break it down for us so we have something to take away. God is always ready to answer our call for help. It is funny, I know, but every time we call for help, God requires involvement in some way. Now catch this. What we find in this kind of this story, as we kind of dig into it, is that when we call out and we find ourselves in that place once again, man, should have made a better choice. Shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have given into that thought. I shouldn't have. I mean, we've all had those woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? We've been there. I've been there. And then you're kind of left with that conviction, that kind of yucky stuff we know is guilt and maybe a little bit of shame. And it's kind of hanging there. When it's like, oh. And the longer you've walked with God, the more uncomfortable that is. The more you just, it's like, I mm, can't have that. And so you want to make it right as quickly as possible. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you've got to wait. Uh, of course, if it's an offense, you know that it's between you and God. You can, you can take care of instantly through prayer, of course. But what God, when we get to that place, when we begin to cry out, God just says, now look, I'm going to forgive your sin, but you know what? I need you to get involved here. I need you to armor up. I need you to be a part of it because it's interesting. He comes to, he comes to him and he says, you know, the people cry out. He comes to get it. He says, hello, mighty warrior. And he's like, hey, Hey, where have you been? And of course, all of our assumptions would be, man, the angels showed up. Yay. The angel's going to go fight the battles. Hey, everybody, we get to sit on the mountains and watch God beat up all our enemies. And that would be nice. I mean, we all would love to get up in the morning and just say, Lord, I got this, I got this, I got this. And, you know, this person's really been persecuting me and coming against me. And, and I'm really feeling this going on inside. And so we got our internal enemies. We got our external enemies. And we just, what we really want to pray is this, God, would you just take care of them all? But at the same time, this is so true that God just says, but, but wait a minute. Okay, yes, I'm going to do that, but I need you to fight. Have you found that to be true? That God says, um... You know, I could do all that for you, but the goal here is to make you a warrior. The goal is to make you a part of the salvific plan. See, the same thing happened with Jesus. Jesus gets with his 12, and he's teaching them. He's showing them, and they're all just sitting back there, kind of in modern vernacular, just going, man, check out Jesus. Man, he's going out there. Look, he's doing it again. Look at him cast out that demon. Man, that Jesus. He's so powerful. And you can see the guys walking around. Check him out. Man, you, you know that, Jesus? He'll be back. He's here all week, man. And, we, and, you know, and that's what it was like. But the end of his life, after all that takes place, what does Jesus do? 
He gathers them all together and says, Now, guys, go into all the world. Share the gospel with them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is a part we miss a lot of times as Christians. A lot of times that we see that we got the whole crying out that, that you know, we sin and we make mistakes. We got that part down, don't we? We also have part, the, the part of crying out to God down pretty good too. That first song comes out, you know, Lord, deal with my sin. Help me. I'm ready to cry out. I'm ready to surrender you. I mean, we got that. Oh, Lord, I just confess my sin. I'm, yeah, man, I've, I've really been, yeah, I made some wrong choices this week. Lord, forgive me. We sense it. He's forgiven us. We're all washed up and clean, and, we, and we've got our land back, and maybe we've chased Midian out of our lives to a, a degree, but then God is ready to say, now go. But we're not stopping here. I want you to be a, a part of the process. We go to our story. There's Gideon, and Gideon says, where have you been? And the angel, I just love what happens in the discourse there. The angel doesn't even answer him. Because it's kind of interesting there. As he's reading, the angel just goes, I, I, I like to play with this story. I play with this story quite a bit. I, mean, I would imagine, the, first of all, the angel is going through his mind going, is this the right guy? Because here he sees this wimpy old Gideon down in a hole, and he looks at him, and he speaks the word of God over his life. Greetings, mighty warrior of God. And the angel, coming out of his mouth, the angel must have just thought, this is ridiculous. This ain't no mighty warrior. And then when he says, where have you been? The angel could have said, what are you talking about? You guys brought this upon yourselves. Have you not done this over and over? Did you not learn with, e with Ehud? Did you not learn with Deborah and Barak? Did you not learn that if you see... And he doesn't. doesn't say a word. The angel just says, you know, God has called you. It's time to go forward. He says, you are going to lead your people into salvation. You are going to defeat the enemy. Hmm. That shouldn't be lost on us. Because what God is after is to teach us to be warriors. God wants to strengthen us for what? The next fight. Because isn't, isn't that, doesn't that make a lot of sense, though, and what a daddy would do in, you know, kind of preparing us? Because really what good parenting is, is to look at what goes on in our children's lives and say, okay, what can we learn from this, right? How can we not repeat this again? How can we not break the $400 vase that will now be replaced with the $40 vase from Walmart? How can we not do that again? Well, we're not supposed to throw the ball in the house. Yay, ding, bing, 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 bing. And God is doing the same thing with us. And God is, with, with what he's doing with the people here is he's saying, look, if you want to not see this happen again, you guys got to rise up and fight. You got to be more aggressive. When you see the enemy beginning to work at the edges of your life, the edges of the land that God purchased for you, the, the peace and the joy and all the wonderful things, the, the financial blessing and security that a lot of times we just see, no, 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 no diminish and we wonder why and God says go back and remember what it is I did for you and so getting back to my notes here Gideon brings up some theology if the Lord is with us then why isn't he helping have you asked that question before 
Well, Pastor David this morning talked about God being with me. I don't feel him. I read in that scripture this morning, and that's exactly what Gideon did. Gideon just says, look, I grew up hearing all the mighty stories. I heard this. I heard that. Where have you been? The angel appears again to ignore him, and he moves on to the solution. And I wrote, why? The answer is obvious. What is the answer? Um, you brought this on yourself, bro. But God is ready to move on to a solution. And that's important. Because see, when we ask God that, God, where are you? Where are you? He'll just say, I'm right here. Let's move on. God doesn't want to drag us through our past. God doesn't want to rub our noses in our sin. He just wants to talk about how can we improve? How can we move on? And what that will often involve is toughening us up. It means becoming the warrior that we have been called to be. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, I'm sending you. I'm calling you to take on this attack head on. Then the next part of, of uh, Gideon's struggle here is he says, well, who am I? I mean, I'm the smallest from the smallest tribe. I've got nothing. I mean, it's obvious, Mr. Angel, because when he speaks that, hey, mighty warrior, you know, the first thing Gideon did was look behind him. Huh? Who are you talking to? He didn't believe it. He'd never been that. But that's what God calls us. God says, look, you are a mighty warrior in me. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You can speak to things that are not as if they were. You've got faith. You've got the gifts of the Spirit. You can now cast out demons, lay hands on the sick. That's every one of us, people. That's what we've been given. And yet, we don't dip into that much, or maybe it's been a while, or maybe it is something we've experienced, or maybe just experiencing. So here's, here's Gideon just saying, I don't see myself the way you see me. But God's message at that point is so powerful. He says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. Do it. Whenever there's a problem, we often are expecting God just to bail us out when God is saying, no, I want you to be a part of the solution. It very well may be through prayer. That may be through getting busy in our own plot of ground and loving our children, raising our children, teaching them the ways of God. It very well may be upping our, our, our area of faithfulness in all spiritual disciplines. It may be all of that. But I guarantee you, when you call and you, you call it to God, it's not going to be this benign, I got this, have a nice day. No, God, it's always going to in God, in cult, include God saying, okay, Let's put on the whole armor of God now. Let's get you toughened up. It's, I'm calling you to go into the battle. When you feel completely helpless to change anything, he sends us. And the message we get from Gideon's life is God can use anyone with anything at any time and anywhere. He only needs a willing vessel. So he says that, go in the strength that you have. Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My rock is my God, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
when we see God as that in us and we truly believe it and we've, in, we've embraced it, then there's Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people take it by, by force. You know, that's one of those hard verses in the Bible. You think, well, is Jesus espousing violence? In the spirit world, yes. To violently confront the enemy, our soul. Gideon, it was natural. God said, yes. You mean you want me to get violent? Yes. I want you to gra- gather up an army, and I want you to get violent, because the only way to deal with, is, with Gideon is violently, is to choose and fight for us. The only way for us to deal with our Midian, our strife, is to rise up in the kingdom of God and deal it with it in, in, in violently by the Spirit. Now, when it talks about violent there, I looked, I looked up into the Greek, and basically what it means is to grasp it aggressively. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, warfare in particular. But what it means is, I've got to move forward in my walk with God. I've got to aggressively deal with the reasons why this came. As the Holy Spirit shows me that this decision is what unleashed this. How did Midian and strife get in my life? Well, let me track it by. And man, I, I say this in counseling all the time, and this is so absolutely true. If you, if you got the courage to do so, just ask the Holy Spirit, and he'll tell you. How did strife get in my life? You really want to know? Yes, sir, I do. This. When you decided not to honor me with the first fruits of your well, when you decided on this relationship, and you knew it wasn't of God. When you took this job and I told you not to, when you made this change in your life, when you refused to forgive, and you knew, matter of fact, right after that that breakdown and that struggle that you had, the pastor preached on forgiveness on that very day. The Holy Spirit's ready to teach. He's ready to show, ready to reveal when we need to grasp it aggressively. So we know the Holy Spirit gives us strength, he gives us hope, he gives us power, wisdom, understanding, power to confront and even rebuke the enemy in the Lord's name. Don't rebuke him in your name, you'll get your tail whooped. But rebuke him in Jesus' name. You can do that. Absolutely. And that's fighting on a plane. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds the strife that wants. Now, can I just lovingly tell you, as a friend, as a brother, as a pastor, if you don't think all that stuff is real in your life and you just say, mm, I don't really believe in that whole spiritual warfare thing. And, and again, remember, I love you, but you're being stupid. Okay? Can I just speak it plain? You're being kind of dumb. Because if you ignore that, the enemy's going to eat your lunch and take, the, you know, and take the, the box that it came in. Leave you with nothing. Laughing the whole time, just saying, look, that's the biggest thing I've, de- I've deceived Christians is to think that I don't exist or that I will have no impact in their life. Whew. Not smart. So, look, in the military, do, you know, does the military just sit around you know, getting fat and hanging out and and eating McDonald's burgers and hanging around just saying, look, you know, we're not, hey, when the war comes, we'll get ready. They don't do that, do they? 
Now these, th- these troops stay razor edge ready for battle at any given time, ready to be deployed, ready to be dropped into action right now. Paul says we should be the same, that we are the army of God. And so it really is, you know, keeping all that all in mind when we think of Gideon, when we think of the solution that God has for us, when we do unleash some strife in our life, think of Gideon, remember what, what God is doing here, what the call was. And that's all we're doing with the, the first part of Gideon's life, is just focusing on the call. And that was, Gideon, let's not talk about the problems. Let's not talk about the whys. See, Christians, we get caught up on, why is God doing this? Why? And I'm not going to church anymore. I will never serve a God who won't answer that question, why, for me. Look, die, go to heaven, and you'll get your answer. Until that time, go in the strength that you have. Because in the same way that God doesn't answer Gideon's question, well, you know, I'm here to, I think I know the answer. When those things come to my life and struggle, and I've shared with this at the very beginning, and, and if you have the courage to believe this, please grasp it. And that is, when you have strife and struggle in your life, there's really one place you've got to go, and that's inside to say, Lord, what have I done to bring this upon myself? Not in, you know, you know try to beat yourself up on the inside. No, but just say, okay, Lord, how do I correct this? What, what choices have I made? What have I, you know, what, maybe it was just through ignorance. I don't know. Maybe I just forgot. But to ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of that, assuming from the beginning there's something that God wants to adjust, to change. There's an attitude that God wants to get after inside there. Maybe I'm ignoring something in my relationships. Maybe, wow, it's deep, isn't it? We can identify with Gideon, just holding on. Areas of our life that we continue to battle with. Maybe there's anger and bitterness that we still have there underlying. Maybe there's hopelessness that's just, you know. Look, I read some of those Facebook posts. I see a lot of people out there. They just use that to, to vent. A lot of people struggling. Maybe there's some sickness that you're battling in your body, confusion about your future, your past, disappointment. Maybe things haven't turned out the way you would hope them to turn out. Maybe there is something of an addiction in your life. Maybe the, when we think of the queen of heaven, maybe you bought into some of these things in the, in, in the world, and now it's, you're entrapped. Maybe it's now bringing strife and struggle into your life because you bought in that pleasure was okay. In all of these things, God has a message. To finish, this is his message. He's here to help. He's going to send the angel, just like he did. He's going to answer you. If you cry out to God, he is going to come. Don't you love that about God? He's faithful. He loves us dearly. And he wants to get to that area of our life. But it's going to require a commitment to move forward. In other words, it's going to require some steps on my part. We've got to go in the strength that we have. We can't wait for those mega, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I hear people talking, man, when I get rich one day, man, the things I'm going to do for God. I might have actually heard people say that, come out of their mouth. It's like, what about, the, what about what you have now? Jesus brought all those disciples together and pointed them out to the widow with their widow's might. And he said, 
there is a woman of faith. And they're all just astounded. Because as the Pharisees are going up and down, bringing in their spices, bringing in their tithe in the, in the form, but all of it just a fraction of what they had already stored up. They're showing it off. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, guys, check this out. And the widow just comes in quietly, all she has, drops it in. And Jesus says, oh, there's faith. Go in the strength that you have. Move forward. Take the little bit of your life. Take the, I don't have any time. I don't have any time. I mean, my life, yes, you do. Stop looking at your smartphone all the time. Stop looking at TVs, uh, the television shows. I mean, you know, cut some of those, those shows that you have to watch and, and you rush home to catch that. Turn it off. Turn it off for a good long time. Matter of fact, if you're addicted to TV, I, I would suggest take a whole year and just turn it off. I've done that twice majorly in my life. First six years of a marriage, no television. Then had it for a little while, and then when we moved here, the first four years, no television. To just break that. Sometimes it's important, folks, that we just look at the things. And Paul said that. He said, I'm not going to be in bondage to anything. I'm not going to let anything have that place in my life. I know these are, these are you know, it's, it's not always a wise thing to talk about specifics like this because then people are thinking, oh, he's, a, he's against TV. No, no, no. I want to talk about that. But I do want to talk about, is there something that's robbing your time? Is there something that's, that's stealing your ability to, to take and quiet your soul? You know, researchers or no, it actually was the Pope who spoke out publicly. He said, you know, these things right here are taking away people's contemplative time. It used to be when we didn't have these, these that we would just say, you know what? There's nothing going on. We go inside. We look at the clouds. And in that quietness, we begin to contemplate our life, and we begin to think of our choices. And maybe that's just that break for the Holy Spirit to say, David, let's talk. But instead, now we take up that time and take pictures. Amen. This is me thinking. (laughs) This is me eating. I saw one time it says, hey, on Twitter, I'm getting ready to go to the bathroom. I'm thinking... You're documenting you're having to go to the bathroom. Is that where we've become? Anyway, I'm just playing. But man, does it take up that our life? Go in the strength you have. You do have time. If you really dig in, you just take some time and begin to move forward in areas of your life, your, your life to take that time to pray, to repent and ask God to forgive and to begin to get the word of God back in you. Sharpen up your sword. Read that Bible. Get that truth inside you. Get back to those spiritual disciplines. If you haven't fasted in a while, man, it's time to take a day, a day, a day a week to fast. Fast a meal. Fast several meals. To teach your, 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 teach yourself as a spiritual being that you're not enslaved to the, the physical. It's important, all important, to prepare us. Go on the offensive. Pray, share, love, give serve, attack. The kingdom of God is subjected to violence and godly men are going to go on the the offensive. That's the kingdom way. So let's finish this morning. In Gideon's call, what we find is God will find us in various places. More often than not, when we get to that place and we've got some strife going on, you know, that's not the end. It's just the beginning. 
It's just the beginning. It's the time to toughen up because next week, Lord willing, what we continue to learn about Gideon is that God has got more for him to learn about how to trust in him, to really break down inside him some of those strongholds of really trusting in the ways of the world. And God says, I really want to make you a spiritual warrior, not just a warrior. And that's what he wants to do with us. Amen? So let's stand up this morning. And let's pray. If I could have our prayer teams come, and we'll close quickly here. Lord, we are grateful that, God, you haven't given up on us. That, Lord, we all are on this path. And, and Lord, I'm committed to that. Lord, that's, that's really my life message and really who I am. Is, is, God, that gift of exhortation. Lord, to dig in, but always come back to a solution and coach and encourage us out of it to move forward. Lord, you don't condemn us. But, Lord, you come to encourage us. You see us. Lord, you know exactly where we are in our life. You know you see all. Lord, it's silly for us to try to think that we can hide in any way. But, Lord, we just come and we just say, Lord, rather than to focus on why, we need to say, what next? So, Lord, would you help us? Would you show us what decisions do we need to make today? What do we need to decide firmly? And Lord, let it be wrapped up in faith. Lord, the changes in our heart. Lord, the things we need to cut off, get out of there. Things we need to stop doing. The things we need to start doing. Holy Spirit, you can show us. Lord, I can possibly get into words of knowledge at this moment. But Lord, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come right now. Speak to every heart in this room. As we open our hearts to you, speak to us, show us, reveal to us. What are some of the things that we can change? How can we go forward in the strength we have? Even as insignificant as we feel, Lord, you've called us to the battle. Help us, God. Help us this morning. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. We thank you for the work of God. If there's anyone in this room today, if you're not certain... If you're not certain that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven, you know, the truth is you can have that confidence. The Bible teaches us that these things are written that we might know that we have eternal life. The Bible's written to give us that confidence, the story of forgiveness. That's yours today. If you'd like it, I encourage you to come forward this morning. Pray with one of our prayer team. They'd love to help you move forward in your walk with God today. The rest of us, Lord, May we go in the strength you've given us. Holy Spirit, lead us, teach us. May we answer the call in Jesus' name.